never worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you let us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show then you're probably a nerd It is a new day. It's midweek. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. We've made it halfway, halfway to the weekend. Congratulations, everyone. We are the It's Canon Podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things, everything. We talk about everything in movies, everything in TV, everything in video games, everything in books, everything in comic books, everything in Lego, everything in Star Wars. Anything and everything is what we talk about here on the It's Canon Podcast because the best part of it all is, is that it's all in canon. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Boris, and this week, this episode, I'm only joined by one, the one, the Phil. Mm-hmm. Hump day. Yep. We made it. We made it. Barely. Yeah. We made it. You got to say something about that, man. I'm just telling you. Pandemic exactly. world. Hump day. It's a big Whatever. deal. It really doesn't mean... Do days mean anything to you anymore? Not really, no. It's just different levels of darkness and light outside my window. Exactly. That's the thing, right? Like, here we are. Like, I don't even know what time it is. I don't know the time that we record, what time we start, what time we end. It really doesn't matter anymore. But today we have an awesome episode. As promised, we are going to be talking about all things video games today. A focus on video games. There's been a lot of changes and moves in the video game industry. A lot of rumors, a lot of speculation, a lot of innuendo, a lot of Bioware changes. We're going to be talking about all of that on today's show. And we're going to be going through some of the uh, larger categories in the Video Game Awards, which take place tomorrow, Thursday, December the 10th. How does that sound to you, Phil? That sounds absolutely lovely. I, I just have this this vision of December the 10th being this day that like the moons and stars align potentially for you. We have we have cyberpunk coming out. We have the video game awards and we also have the rumored Disney call coming up about the, the, the one that goes to investors and whatnot from the high ups and the hoity toities and really defines and leaks out a lot of what goes on in that company of yep. Disney. So we could have a nice special episode coming up. We'll see what the news brings. Exactly. You know, we or we might just wait and talk about it on Sunday yeah. at our usual news episode. It depends because if it's worse, if it's something worth talking about, we're going to talk about it because, you know, I get asked, I get DMs, I get messages from listeners asking what we think about something. So if we get enough uh, inquiries, then we'll bring something out for everyone. Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny last night in our chat 
uh, as the listeners know, we, we have a little informal chat where we try not to go too deep into topics because we obviously want to be authentic and, and experience them live on the air with, with our listeners. However, we have to couch some of the ideas like, is this worth talking about? Whatever. I threw one in there and like Boris is like, nah. And then Tyler's like, this is one of the most fascinating subjects I think I've ever seen. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, so I guess we're going to have to figure something out about this with all this streaming stuff, which we started talking about last weekend. So we just have to see what happens with the news because it might fizzle out into nothing, which is was Boris's point. And yeah, we'll see what happens. But yeah. Yeah, no. Got lots to I, talk about. For me, it wasn't. It wasn't much of a. It's not a news item. It's let's wait to see what happens. I saw the article yeah. also, and I'm like, you know what? Right now, it's early. It's like, hey, this might happen. There's no point in speculating. There's not much that we can really talk about. So until more happens, until we talk to people, um, you know, get get and see what the word on the street is, then we'll be able to actually report a little more. Um, because that's one thing yeah. that I'm really, um, you know, being proud of and I'm priding this show on, it's the fact that when we bring something up, we bring with substance. You know, there's so many, and not to, like, crap on any other podcast. That's I'm not here to do that. But oftentimes, they'll read a headline and move on. Read a headline and move on. One thing that I really like doing is having a conversation with you and Tyler, you being Phil. Phil and Tyler. Yeah. Like, for me, that's the important thing. It's not only... Are we bringing something that the listeners want to listen to? But it's something that the three of us can talk about. You know, we each bring something different to the table. And I think that's what really makes us distinct and kind of makes us work. That's why I have a lot of fun with this group of people. Yeah. And it's also important to note, though, too, we stay away from the rumor mill, by and large. It it really needs to be in a Hollywood trade or something like that for us to start giving any credence to because and again I'm not slamming other podcasts but there sure are a lot of podcasts that kind of venture into some of this territory especially with Star Wars which is kind of you know my area and they just thrive on rumors rumors that never come true I know there's a few different YouTube channels and whatnot out there that I've watched over the years and I'm like that isn't based off of anything but a fantasy like really a fantasy and they've made entire channels about it and i'm like wow there's nothing uh accountable to the listener well that's exactly with all that like, they're producing that we can go on air and you know talk about the, all of these rumors or talk about what we want to see but i try to avoid that i make it very clear when it's something editorial versus something yeah. that's actually happening something that's reportable something that's tangible that's something that we're going to see take place in the future you know that's the difference between you know or that's kind of like what i've tried to create the show on. yeah we have to provide links we have to look at real substance we have to analyze it and we have to be able like if you if you theorize on potential outcomes past that that's a that's a, a dialogue you know that that's something that we all do listeners producers whatever creators it, it's all you know there is a point of which it's interpretation and that's part of the fun i get it and sometimes we get it wrong but we also laugh at ourselves when we get it wrong we also own up to it I and mean, we don't drag people down with oh we predicted this either it's just Three real talks, you know, three guys having a real talk about stuff where we 
just feel like it's affecting the industries that we love. And, and quite honestly, like this year has been one of those years, I think for everyone where we really rely on certain pillars in media. It's not the same for everybody, but we've really come with this pandemic and, and all this, you know, isolation time where you, you need that escapism, whether it be reality TV, wrestling, star Wars, whatever your concoction of media is, you're relying on it now. Exactly. That's exactly it. And that's, you know, like I always said, geek therapy for me, that it's, that's been the number one thing for the show, whether we have mm-hmm. 10 people or 500 people listening to an episode, I don't care. You know, for me, I brought the show back for you and I, so that you and I can have a place that we can geek out on. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, we were lucky enough to get Tyler back and I'm super happy to have him back because he brings that, that, you know, he keeps us in check. He keeps me in check. That's yep. for sure. So, yep, I miss the guy. I hope he's doing all right. I know that he's uh he's taking some time to himself tonight. So we're gonna soldier on, but uh, we're definitely, you know, looking forward to having him back and whatnot. And soon enough, next, you know, coming up soon, we're gonna have the twelve days of Christmas, and we look forward to having his input as we talk about our topic show that. Yeah, it's an interesting ride, everybody. You know what's what I've noticed actually through our chats about that show is that the three of us have very different views of that show. Yeah, I and I'm gonna be full honest again. I I saw the the reaction to it. It was a good. I I knew I I could predict who was going to say what, and I tried to maintain a neutrality to the show because I figured that that's probably a representative voice and it doesn't impact me to the point where I have to choose a side on the show. I can see it for what it is as a casual Star Trek fan. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, you guys have your, your point of view and you're entitled to them. 110%. Well, that's exactly, you know, like I'm a Star Trek fan. I'm as big a Star Trek fan as I am a Star Wars fan. Like, I really love it. That, again, Star Trek is something that got me into my line of work, technology. You know, if it wasn't for Star Wars, Star Trek, those type of shows, who knows what I'd be doing, you know? Yeah, it's true. It's it's responsible for an awful lot for all of us. You know, I, I know growing up, Next Generation was key. Yeah, for sure. Same here. That's the first Star Trek show I watched every Friday with my older brother. We would watch that. It was always a lot of fun. And yeah, and then over time, I watched the movies, the original series. And then around that time, we had Deep Space Nine and sadly, Voyager. Um, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. So TV shows or sorry, not TV shows, future shows. So today is Wednesday. You're getting our episode of the week, our featured episode, which is going to be all things video games. Tomorrow, if you are a Patreon member on Sunday Night's Main Event Radio, SNME Radio, www.sundaynightsmainevent.com, you can catch Matt and I talk about all things NXT, and our sh- on our show, NXT Talk, where we talk about all things NXT from Wednesday night. Then, on Sunday, we're back to our regular schedule of nothing but news with Boris, Phil, and and Tyler, and then Monday, another episode of Mando Monday, where we talk about all things Season 2, 
episode seven, chapter fifteen of Mandalorian. Yeah. And then closing up, baby. Yep. I'm really excited to see what happens. Um and then I'm let me finish this, Boris. Boris, finish your thought and then get to another thought. And then next Monday, it begins, Phil. It begins. It begins. Yep. Our 12 days Our of listeners Christmas. are in for it. <laughs> Our 12 days of Christmas, 12 days, 12 podcasts. Each day, a new podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. So the first 10 days, it's going to be Boris, Phil, and Tyler talking about Star Trek Below Decks. You guys have to listen to this. It's very interesting. And then day 11 is going to be Matt and I talking about wrestling. And that's Christmas Eve, which leads us into the It's Canon podcast Christmas special, which is going to be the three of us watching something that the other person gifted to each other. And we're going to be ranting and raving about that. (laughs) Oh, my. I've been reviewing what I'm going to gift you guys. So it's interesting. Yeah. Same here. And, And, you know, I think we're all kind of attacking this kind of the same way where it's something that we don't have enough people to talk about with yeah you you kind of hit the nail on the head there i'm 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 sticking in what would be my lane but i don't know that it's anyone else's lane really so yeah yeah (laughs) yep all right man so let's talk video games let's get to the topic the jewer There's been a lot of changes in the video game industry over the past few weeks. I think this entire year has proven to be a very difficult year, not only for video games and technology, but for everybody. Um, But, you know, you know, I'm in tech, I'm in tech sales, and even my customers are going through a lot of changes. So I've been having to make new contacts, make sure that we have the right people. And this is happening everywhere. So last week, it was announced that three Sony Japan developers, Junya Okura, Kazunobu Sato and Keiichi Chiro Toyoma have left the company to create Bokeh Games Studio. Toyoma is best known for being the director of Silent Hill and the Gravity Rush series, and he's actually going to serve as the studio's creative director alongside Gravity Rush designer Okura and Sato, who is the lead designer of The Last Guardian. The three will lead Bokeh as an independent mm. game studio with the goal of rediscovering the joy in making games. Interesting. I'm glad you tackled those names and not me. Because I would have been like, hey, the dude that made Silent Hill and Gravity Rush took another dude that made Gravity Rush and took another dude that made like another game. And they went and made their own studio and they said, we just don't want any corporate bullshit because that's the way it sounded to me. That's exactly <laughs> the way it sounded to me. Um, it just sounds like, you know, there was a process, process, process. They were tired of it and they want to do their own thing. And here yeah. we are. Let's start our own studio. We're going to get a new Gravity Rush game, but it's going to be called something else very soon. <laughs> as long as it doesn't lead us to another mighty number nine Mega Man situation, I'm fine. Yeah. Well, it's it's good to see a lot of these big executive types and, and creative types and whatnot branch out and and do their own thing because I think the video game industry is a little bit stagnant in the fact that we have all of these exclusives and deals and contracts with these big companies where they're just bound to, okay, we're going to make these Sony games or we're going to make these 
Xbox games. Like the, the it's becoming very polarized out there. Your your development cycle and your allegiance to a console. Yeah, and I think that it's important that some of these people do exactly this and start growing that forest of independents that are making great games right like get these uh uh maybe they'll be indian scale to start out with or maybe they go for a full triple a title i don't know but it's going to be a new ip and it's going to be something that maybe crosses into different consoles as well and gets people excited on many platforms exactly the and the other thing is that it keeps things fresh right like one thing that the video game industry you know, we don't talk about it too much, but it gets it gets stagnant very fast. It gets boring. It's the same stuff over and over. You know, even as a video game player, um, you know, I get bored of playing the same game over and over and over again. So if there were if there wasn't these this turnaround, these changes, I'd be so bored watching and playing and just whatever. So getting these people who want to be creative and feel that they need to get their creative juices flowing again go off, branch off, and create their own studio, I'm all good for it, man. I'm happy for them, and it's good for them. Yep, and it's good for the customer. Again, I'm always in the, the strong corner of the customer winning in these situations. I, I wish them all the success in the world. I really hope that they produce something that attracts me and attracts, you know, and, and attracts other people and gets people excited about whatever worlds that they try to create. I'm looking forward to it. I'm... I'm highly engaged in that if it's if it's up my alley. Yep, exactly. All right, well, so with that said, let's move to BioWare and what is happening at BioWare. Again, we're not going to talk about hearsay. We're not going to talk about rumor and innuendo. We're going to talk about the facts and what actually happened. So last week, BioWare General Manager Casey Hudson and lead Dragon Age series writer Mark Dara resigned from BioWare, which essentially caused a wave of concern in fans over the continued health of the studio's popular franchises, rightfully so. Two key players who, you know, have been in the company for 10 plus years, I think one was 12, I think one was 12 plus years, and they're gone, and, you know, as we all know, Dragon Age is getting a new game, there's a lot of work happening on the Mass Effect side, um, BioWare's last game anthem was pretty much a dud so there's a lot of concern already and having two key people leave to you know pursue greener pastures well of course it's going to cause concern among fans yeah but what can you say it's bioware has been struggling there's there's no denying that their their anthem was a complete disaster like that that was crap in a box and i didn't find it was that bad i i say that but just because of the actual numbers that that game produced as far as people playing it and the online community surrounding it but you look at even the dragon age games have, have kind of been struggling too so i think a, a shakeup is needed i think they're joining up with some ubisoft yep. execs in a different company in quebec city golden brick road or something like that but this is all, again, a necessary shakeup. I don't think that those franchises are in trouble, though. I think fans need to just calm down a little bit, and I know that's easier said than done, and it is the internet, and people tend to, to overreact on these things. Like, like, oh my gosh, video gamers overreact? Never. But 
with this case, I, I there's so many creative people behind these processes. I don't even know how much creativity these people are are having input over or reign over because they've been there for so long and they're probably more involved in a process than they are with actual production and creative end of things. There's going to be whole teams and whatnot dedicated to that, I would hope. But the only concern that I have over Bioware overall is that their product has been in a sharp decline. They've not been producing the quality that brought me, even with the Mass Effect games back in the day, even as controversial as they were, those don't really hold a candle to to their efforts lately. They made a lot of promises with Andromeda that it kind of fell flat. And then the company just felt like it was in a little bit of a spin since then. Yeah, for sure. And again, shakeups are needed sometimes. Like sometimes getting new blood in, um, new fresh blood, new active blood, new people who are hungry might lead to better games, might lead to better response, you know? Like as good as you are at your job, sometimes you just get... Um, you get complacent. You get used to things. You know, you're not putting your your both feet forward per se. And I'm not saying that that's what they did. I'm just saying no. This is what happens just naturally. Speculating. Yeah, yeah. Not even that. I'm just saying this is what happens naturally to anyone in any job. So you know, why wouldn't it happen in a creative job as well? So sometimes you need to get those changes to happen. Yeah, for sure. You know, we all need new projects. New, new avenues of, of development and whatnot. That's why almost every company has that kind of stuff. Video game industry seems funny to me. Like, I know we keep on seeing a lot of horror stories about it and about what goes on behind closed doors. It doesn't seem like it's the most, sometimes depending on the studio, I guess, it doesn't always strike me as the most um, uh, developmentally oriented community sometimes because... You know, you hear crunch and, and all this kind of stuff with these big titles. It's got to be tough for all the employees and whatnot there. So my heart goes out to them. I hope that this creates open doors both within BioWare for creativity and a better product. And I hope that these guys that have left the company uh, go on to make stuff that I'm going to want to play again. You know, I hope that these franchises, I'd love nothing more than Anthem to get fixed. I bought it. I bought it day one. I bought sixty nine ninety nine. I have the disc. I took the disc out of my machine when my when the machines were reported to be bricking due to it. But you know, I, I I've tried playing it and it wasn't there weren't it wasn't all bad. There were moments where I was just like, hey, this is Iron Man. This is I'm in an Iron Man suit and that's pretty cool. And yeah. there are things that I'm getting geeked out about. Like there are some elements that resonated well i'm i'm just tired of i'm looking forward to cyberpunk for the simple reason that it's just kind of like an offline game you don't have to go through all this lobby bull crap and matchmaking and and competitive pvp and whatnot i just want to get into a game and play it and that yep. goes for anything you know yep exactly if so there's there are... online and the online part of it is transparent to me it doesn't bother me as much but when I get into these Call of Duty type games and whatnot, I play the campaign and then the disc is done for me. I'm just yep. no, not going to get into 12-year-old snipers. Sorry to all of our 12-year-old listeners. But you guys just ruin games and you think it's funny and you're like, ah, I headshot it up and I'm spawn camping them and all this stuff. And I'm yep. like, 
No, no fun. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I get it. All right, so there were also changes in the land of Sony. So Naughty Dog, um, the video game developer behind The Last of Us and Uncharted, has announced that Neil Druckmann will be promoted to co-president of the company. Allison Mori and Christian Geirling will also serve as VPs of Naughty Dog. Um, so uh, also promoted at Naughty Dog. Um, so, as I mentioned, Allison Mori and Christian Geiring are now vice presidents of Naughty Dog. Uh, Mori was previously director of operations, and Geiring was previously co-director of programming, respectively. So, there you go. Some new, new powers that be at Naughty Dog. New powers that be, and people to overlook games like Uncharted and The Last of Us. I think that's a direct... Uh, head nod to the quality that that studio has been putting out under those people yep. and it's well deserved so I know I follow Neil on um, on social media and whatnot, and I find that he's a very engaging and real type of person I, I catch his back tone on a lot of stuff it resonates well with me and especially watching the video game industry and the players within it so I I think that that's a great choice, and I think that Naughty Dog have made some brave choices with their games, especially recently with uh, Last of Us Part Two, and they're making a great series of games there that I don't think anybody really, everybody was surprised with the first game, and I, was it indefinable because it was the gameplay, the visuals, the music, the mood. The storytelling, it, with the characters, it was it just achieved so much. And number two continued that on. I know there's uh, uh, you know people freaking out about it, backlash to it, but honestly, it's their story to tell, and I I like what they're doing with it. Yep. it it's not it's not always about everybody just coming out with a kumbaya moment. It it, it needs to challenge people. Yeah. All right, we're gonna jump back to Japan. Because there are tons of interesting things happening. A lot of, I guess, for lack of a better word, rumors. And they involve none other than Hideo Kojima. And mm -hmm. the possibility of something we're going to see at the Video Game Awards. And this has been reported on and talked about so many times. So I'm just going to bring it up. Why not? So everyone knows that back in 2015... There was the famous Silent Hill playable trailer, Silent Hill PT, or PT as it was known as. Um, this was the Hideo Kojima developed Silent Hill, uh, where he was working with um, with uh, Pan's Labyrinth director, Guillermo del Toro. And they created this wonderful world, this playable trailer um, that, you know, at the end, it was revealed that Norman Reedus would be the lead character. This, you know, for whatever, for one reason or another, this project got canceled and um, essentially led to a huge falling out between Kojima and Konami, uh, which led to Kojima Productions being created, which led to Death Stranding, um, which we all know is where Norman Reedus ended up, but there seems to be a lot of rumors suggesting that this year at the Video Game Awards, we are going to be getting an announcement of a new Silent Hills game with Kojima fronting it. 
Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. You know, like like I downloaded that PT game, scared that living shit right out of me. Yep. I'm like, okay, I need this off my console now. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. I didn't really realize it was Guillermo del Toro that's in yep. it, and I'm going to credit him with the Shape Water Academy yep. Award winning shot here in Toronto. <laughs> but you know, like there's it was it was truly terrifying. I know that there are people who you can even migrate the demo of it which got taken off the store but if you downloaded it i think you had access to it for a certain time and you could keep it on your hard drive but you can even transport it over to your ps5 yeah like there, there's people who are absolutely crazy loyal to this demo yeah it's a demo yeah it's just a playable and, trailer yeah it's just a trailer yeah guys. exactly all right so, so good for them like I, I hope i hope it happens for all the fans out there Exactly. Um, and with that said, there's also a lot of um, rumors that go hand in hand now that the apparent Kojima and Konami relationship is starting to get a little better, which is kind of weird because it got really bad to the point where they Konami barred Kojima from the video game awards. They tried to remove his name from Metal Gear Solid Five. Like, that's how bad things yeah. were. Um, but... There's now rumors that Demon Soul remake developer um, uh, Blue Points next game is going to be a Metal Gear Solid remake. Oh, jeez, I don't know how I feel about that. Other than uh, I don't know that I'd touch that, but I'd be curious to see it. I definitely. It would be interesting. It would be an interesting project. Uh, you know my take on these remakes, but this is a remake with a twist. So you're definitely calling in a company of pedigree there to do something to something that is fairly old. So, and, you know, for the people who haven't played Metal Gear or Metal Gear Solid, it's kind of on the, on the surface. It looks like a video game that's all about stealth and guns and mechs. And then when you get into it, it's just batshit fucking crazy. Yeah. The story is <laughs> like, insane. Yeah. It's, I, I don't even, I bought books about it and I had to put the books down. I'm like, the, the game just feels like you instantly are in like bizarro world. Yeah. There's choices made. There's things done that really just explode your mind. And you're like, what the heck is yeah. going on in this universe? Yeah. And same, you know, even with Death Stranding was like that for me. I'm like, Death Stranding was out there. Yeah, there's stuff in that that I can't unsee. The world <laughs> that Hideo Kojima creates in any property he touches, whether it be Silent Hill, uh, the playable trailer, whether it be Metal Gear, whether it be Death Stranding, just the concepts, the philosophies, the whatever, the art that he creates is just so out there. The worlds that he created is just so detailed and so precise. Like, he, he's an artist at play, and, you know, that's the thing, you know? His games might not be for everyone. Um, I know Death Stranding for sure isn't for everyone. Uh, I, I know a lot of people who have struggled playing the game. In fact, the reward that you get for finishing the game is still a rare reward. Yeah, it's it's a tough game. And Guerrero is in that too. Yep. I remember that now. Yep. I remember seeing him in there. Yep. And, but it was fun. I liked the storytelling. I didn't like the necessarily the delivery. 
Yeah. No, and that, that's fair. Yeah, it was <laughs> that, an, that's a double entendre. Like, yeah, it it really is. Like, there's a lot of FedExing in that game, and uh, that gets a little bit challenging, right? That gets a little bit disheartening for certain players. It, it's it's yeah. the same reason why I don't really play stealth games personally. Well, you're not a big fan of like open world games per se. Like, I know you've been in 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 our yeah. chat in a tint, in anticipation of Cyberpunk 2077. You know that Tyler and I are really looking forward to this game. You're kind of on the edge because it's not your style of game typically. It's in a genre I like. Um, there are elements that I think I could really appreciate, and if it's done well, I, I could get hooked. Yeah, but my my history with this type of game is there's going to be a point at which I just get mad at it and I stop. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that 100%. So I'm like, I like the story narrative drive. It keeps me motivated. But when I'm left to doing absolutely nothing or feeling like useless missions to get items so I can craft something, um, I don't really like that. But I do like being able to participate in the action. Yeah. All but right, and this really, looks like it promises on that, like it and delivers. And that's one thing I really enjoyed about Death Stranding is that on on paper it looked like one of those crazy games where I have to, you know, deliver X amount of packages to craft something, craft the next gun. But once you actually got in the details, in the minutia of the game itself, it wasn't that. Like you got the big guns if you did a big mission, and that was kind of cool. But I know how scary it could look, and I know that the entire concept of the game was very weird. Here I am. I'm playing a you know cosplaying FedEx. Mm. So yeah, it, it it was it was terrifying. Like with the whole hands and the beasts yeah. and invisibility and other world crossover and all that kind of stuff. It was absolutely terrifying for me. I'm not a big horror fan. So you know what? I've had a lot of. I, I've been participating on Twitter. I've been talking about it with Stadia and and my dilemma of do I get it on PlayStation or do I get Cyberpunk on Stadia? And I think just with the amount of community that's out there, and I'm saying this not because I want to talk about Cyberpunk 2077, but I'm saying this because I want to talk about the community of Stadia users. They're so out there and so outspoken about their love and passion of Stadia that I think I'm going to give it a try on Stadia. I think that it's going to be a worthwhile experiment for our show, right? for me as a player, yeah, good or bad. And I think that I'd love to have some of those Stadia listeners listen in of course. to our show and uh, share their experiences with Stadia and gaming and maybe try to heat up that little discussion a little bit because I don't think that community gets the respect that it possibly deserves. Yeah, here's the thing, you know, in the age of internet where we get information on the palm of our hands and quickly at that, we're very quick to judge, we're very quick to shoot stuff down. But do you remember back in the early 90s when you heard the rumors that Sony was going to come out with a video game system? What was your mm -hmm. initial thought? Well, what the hell is Sony doing making a video game system? They make VCRs. Yep. <laughs> You know, exactly. I, I'll always remember the commercial. What time is it at Billy's house? 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock. Yeah. You didn't know how to program the VCR, right? Exactly. It's just kind of funny. It, it's It was a company that makes clocks and uh, uh, and basically household electronics, not video game systems. 
Yeah, and it took a couple of years for PlayStation to take off. Like, it really wasn't yep. until Gran Turismo and Metal Gear when they introduced the rumble controller, you know, the vibration. That's when mm-hmm. PlayStation actually sold really well. That and PlayStation modifications. <laughs> Being able to burn yeah. games actually helped the system that much more. Um, to be honest, that's when I got a the system. The old black CDs. Yeah, right? yep, exactly, exactly. Man, I used to have, like, my brother and I used to hunt for the, like, the black or the gold. The gold ones were good. Kodak had the best CDs to burn yeah. on. Yeah, and Maxwell, Maxwell Ma- yes. had the black ones. Yep. I remember buying them by the spindle. Yeah, same here. Same here. It was funny. Yeah. And I remember Not that, that I like- ever, ever pirated a game. <laughs> no, no. Pirating is bad, listeners. Yeah. You should not. It was backing up my data. Backing up what I already owned. Yes, exactly. My data. <laughs> That's all it was. That's all it was. That's all it was. But, but yes, um, I, 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 I just think that, you know, we have Google in the same place, which is probably where you're going. Yep. And we have people like I even have my friends because my friends are coming to me and they're like, so you're getting 20. Like, first of all, what does it matter what platform I get it on? Because it's not a social game. Have you ever tried to have a party chat while you're playing a single-player game? It sounds something like this. Important narrative, important narrative. My friend farting into the microphone and I can't hear it. Important yep. narrative, important narrative. My friend eating potato chips and I can't hear it. Yeah, It's not a good combination, right? Exactly. So I'm like, I'm going to put on good headphones that don't have a mic yep. and I'm going to dive into it. So yep. what does it matter? Like he's sitting there going, yeah, but it can upgrade to the PS5 and you can do this and you can do that with it if you get it on Sony. And I'm like, yeah, but what? what's to stop Google from upgrading their servers and giving me the PS5 experience? Exactly. Without even like doing anything other than giving me more teraflops. Yeah. Like I, I don't understand where the barrier is with Google. And then that really made people go, oh, crap, I didn't think of that. I think well, what people duh. are afraid of with, with Stadia is the fact that it streams, you know. I think a lot of people have, at the end of the day, pretty shitty internet, and they don't fully trust that. Yeah. And the whole cloud concept, like, you know, so a new story that I've been sitting on for a really long time is Amazon coming out and saying, you do not own the videos that you purchase from us. You know, the whole DRM discussion. That's always been the terms of service. Yeah, Exactly. But, there's there's nothing that's going on because I looked into this Amazon thing and yeah, I'm like, same. hey, look, they've only like revoked like two titles in all these years. Like it really is just a nasty contract battle that happened behind the scenes. And I'm, again, fairly certain as my same standpoint as with Google. If Google Deep Six Stadia, I'm pretty sure two well-placed angry phone calls are going to get me all my money back. Yeah, exactly. And, like Amazon are a completely reasonable company. When yep. you can display to them as a customer that you are really upset about something, they're going to go, oh, how about we issue you a gift card of, of that amount of money or whatever? They're going to exactly. find a way to compensate you. I just know with this Amazon thing, the person's being fairly unreasonable. It's, it's been a while since I read it, though. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I, yeah. But anyway, it, it's a is, good meta discussion. Yeah, yeah, the point is, is that, you know, I, I understand that's a lot of people fear. A lot of people want to physically own a disc of the game, you know, and that's fine. But, but there's it's nothing changing, though. Like we've talked about, digital games are a thing now. 
Yeah. And I've accepted them into my life because I go, I don't want to participate in a pandemic lineup or something like that. And I know the stores are being creative, so I don't want to dismiss the efforts by the retailers out there. Yeah. People want the physical game. Go get the physical game. You can do a share with it. You can do whatever you want with it. Yeah. But the fact is, is that I'm in a situation where it suits me fine to do that pre-download or whatever. But with Stadia, I don't even need to do that. I can just play it. Play at Hawk. If I want to play it tomorrow night at midnight, I can hop on my Stadia and it's going to be there. Yep. So let me tell you my and- Cyberpunk 2077 story. And actually, before we go there, let's go back to this whole thing. There's nothing to be afraid of with Stadia. Is it the best system? We don't know yet. But don't. Knock it until you try it. That's where I'm trying to go with this. And we're going to be talking a little more Stadia now that Phil has one. I will be getting one. We're going to be, you know, testing things out. We're going to be seeing what's good. We're going to be seeing what's bad. And you know what? I'm going to make my honest opinion at that point. With your internet, it might be really bad. But that's, (laughs) well, it depends where I am. Yeah. If you're if you're at the other location number two, it might be a good experience. Yeah, I've had no problems with it so far, but I'm yeah. lucky enough to be on a pretty stable internet connection. Yeah, I know that not everybody can have, uh, has afforded that availability yeah. depending on their service and whatnot. So I do get the apprehension from that. But for me at this point, it's a pretty safe bet because I don't care what you say. If you're playing any video game, you're still going to need to be connected to the internet. Exactly. They all validate or do whatever they're going to do. That's really where we're going at this point. Um, And, you know, it just just comes down to whatever you're comfortable with. But don't knock on other people's choices. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be hating on me because I'm a Stadia man now. Exactly. (laughs) I told you, you're going to be all Stadia. You're going to, like, jump on the webcam and you're going to be wearing Google shirts and Stadia hats. You know, yeah. you're going to knock down all your yeah. Star Wars memorabilia behind you and it'll be like just big G-O-O-G-L-E. It, it's so funny, though, because I have purchased an awful lot of Google stuff lately. Yeah, I, I do have some nests set up as a speaker pair on yeah. my laptop. I do have some Nest Hub like screens that I've placed around the house to help with my father. And whatnot, because he's comfortable in that ecosystem. Yep. So I'm just like, and I have the Google TV that I'm playing around with for my father as well with a new little control. And it's just weird going back and forth between Chromecast and Google TV and having a proper interface and having this thing like sorting my viewing and, and guessing what it thinks I'd like. It's interesting. So like, from an infrastructure household point of view, you're you're all in with Google. Like that's that's you're not changing from Google anytime soon, are you? Well, I just changed from Amazon yeah. to, to Google. Yeah. Because the Amazon stuff is good, but the price points aren't as good as what Google's doing right now. And the product finish is way better on Google. Yeah. And so is the responsiveness. I don't know what it is, but for a while there, I thought that the Amazon product was the better product, and now the Amazon stuff feels cheap to me after handling some of this Google stuff. Honestly, even the the UIs on a lot of the Google stuff just seem so cheap. Like all hail Google, all hail our Google or Amazon overlords. Amazon, Amazon overlords. But you know, um. They're UIs. Have you ever looked 
at Amazon Music? Yeah, it, it it's interesting though because I am subscribed to Amazon High Def Music, the 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 kind of the premier service, and I do enjoy it for its 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 algorithm. Its algorithm is pretty interesting to me, and it's a shame that that Google are now over to like YouTube Music versus having their Play Music, because I feel that that's just a barrier for me. Yeah, uh, I'm not ready to go there yet, but I do have a paid subscription because I don't like ads on yeah. my stuff. For sure. But when it comes down to um, the interface itself, like I have a an Echo Show and things like that that have screens, and it's mm-hmm. really awkward. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a very nice experience in comparison to the Google stuff. I'm like, well, just don't think about it. Talk to it. Like, yeah. it's, it's so easy telling my dad, you know, oh, you want to know how to cook a chicken? Ask it. Yeah. It's going to show you a video now. Yeah, my parents are more impressed with things, but there's no way in hell they're ever going to use it. Like, it's taken years for my parents just to get used to using a tablet. Yeah, well, my dad gave up the tablet. He was just like, oh, I don't want it anymore. It's just feeling like it's, it's a big cell phone. You're right, dad, it is. Exactly. But now he's like, oh, well, I want to know this. Well, I'm going to ask Google. He's It's taken years, but he's like, well, what's the population of Florida? I'll ask it. Stuff yeah. like that. And I'm like, well, there you go. You know, and like I you even just, yeah, I even tried changing the UI, and I found that that just wouldn't help sometimes because you know I changed the UI to their native tongue language, which just did mm. not help. In fact, it made things worse. <laughs> yeah, because they're probably pointing out inconsistencies yes, to their dialect. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, anyways, here we are talking about Google and Google stuff and technology in general let's get back on to what we want to talk about and before we we went off the path there guys there's nothing (laughs) wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that um before we jump into the video game awards there's one last thing and don't you love the fact that as i was praising our show you know with the cocky asshole that i am here i am about to talk about rumor and innuendo (laughs) that's okay it's well founded it's it's not like it isn't researched here's the thing Microsoft, everyone knows that Microsoft right now is going on a buying spree. We saw them buy some pretty big studios in the past couple months. Um, And there's another studio that they are apparently eyeing. And that is a studio that we talked about just 10 minutes ago. And that's Kojima Productions. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. That's a play. That is a play. But... There's been a lot of rumors. Yeah. To be fair, I'll counterpoint this because there was rumors galore that Microsoft, around the time that they purchased Zenimax, were going to purchase Sega. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty bold as well. But, well, you know, for and- a back catalog, it's it, it, it makes Game Pass really compelling. Yeah. Because that's where they're shooting this. I wouldn't be surprised if they acquire both of those companies because it's Microsoft. Yeah. But... We'll see what happens. Or maybe they pick up none and they just ride Zenimax, you know, into into the glorious blue yonder. Yep. I still think that um, Nintendo is going to eventually pick up Sega at some point and get that back catalog. Yeah, that would be a good move, too. I, 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 I just don't know that there's been such the division because I grew up in that time between yeah. Nintendo and Sega. Like, it really was one or the other. It was funny because I was watching a, a a podcast or listening to a podcast, and the person was going on about 
it was like uh, Lou later, and he was going on about the Nintendo NES when he was a kid and the light gun that it had, and how he was disappointed that the light gun had to be painted orange, yeah, because people were concerned of it being mistaken for a real gun. Now I can remember when they weren't orange because they were so fresh off the uh, off of the shipments that they didn't consider that. And then I'm like, I remember my Sega Master System having a light gun because that was the accessory yeah. back in the 80s. Like, that was the differentiator. If you were going to be a competitor in that video game market, you needed to have a duck hunt type game. Yeah. And Sega had one, but their gun looked like a freaking gun. It was black. Yeah, like I remember. It was, yeah, and it was big too. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. holy cow, this, man, I feel mean, you know, having this on my hip type thing and playing this video game. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's, I just feel like the two of them were at war so much. I guess in some sense it would make sense if they, if they did, like we're just openly speculating here. Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't know. The games were so different. Yeah. But you know, I, that I say that. And then at the same time, back in 2001, who would have ever thought, you know, pre pre March, 2001, that WWF would buy, WCW, considering that a year and a half before they were purchased for $2 million, $2 million, the company put in and made a profit of $230 million. Wow, that was a steal. Yeah, that's how, that's like textbook, more so than BlackBerry, textbook how you ruin a company. Yeah. That's that's an incredible number to sell for. Yeah, but wow, I I don't know I don't know what goes through these minds of these business executives. I know. All right, video game awards. Let's talk about the video game awards. Twenty twenty nominees, the video game awards. This is the big one. This is the one that a lot of people uh, pay attention to. Hold on, gonna pause. So the Video Game Awards, this is a direct, um, I guess, descendant of the original Spike Video Game Awards, um, the predecessor, that being for over 10 years, uh, that's what they did, you know, it was the, on Spike TV, you know, the network where it was all for men, man, man, men, and men doing manly stuff, showing Star Wars and Bar Rescue and God knows what else they showed. Average Joe, Joe versus pros, or whatever that was called. Oh, man, Bar Rescue. Man, I still love watching that. It's still on Paramount, yeah. but it's like you can just watch people like completely mismanage their bar in oblivion. And then this dude comes in and he's just like, no, you need to put the cash register over here, and you got to paint where that happens, yep. and you got to get mold out of here, and you got to fix your freezer. And he goes through and he does it, and then six months later, the bar folded. Because it's a bar. <laughs> yeah. All right. So it is officially known as the Game Awards. And it's an annual awards ceremony honoring achievements in the video game industry. It was established in 2014. The shows are produced and hosted by Canadian game journalist Jeff Kylie, who were also worked on the predecessor, which we just talked about, which was known as the Spike Video Game Awards. Um, so taking a look at its 
past years. Over the past few years, it's been held live at the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles. This year, it's going to be a virtual event. So last year, it was held on December 12th, 2019 with 45.2 million viewers. Wow. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's always been a fun show. I've enjoyed watching it because it feels like the MTV Awards of video yeah, games. Exactly. It's fun. It's not boring. Like, they have fun with it. Um, they bring in people to make announcements every year. There's always a big announcement. That's part of the reason why I wanted to talk about the Silent Hill stuff. Because, you know, what better day to uh, announce your video game than at the Game Awards themselves? And what better time for Konami and Kojima to be BFFs again than the show that really destroyed the relationship? So last year, the game of the year went to Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. The year before that, it was God of War. The year before that, it was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. That's pretty good pedigree right there. Yep. I, I didn't get into Sekiro, but I tried. All right. Um, yeah, Let's... God of War was huge that year. But yes, the, the, the thing about this show, like I say, it's like MTV Awards. It's got everybody. It's got stars. It's got people who participate in the industry. I'm looking forward to see what happens because it coincides with Cyberpunk 2077. So I expect it's going to be just really over-the-top marketing push on that too, which is just fun to see. Yep. All right. We're going to go through some of the categories, and we're going to give you our picks for said categories. And we're going to start in a category that for me is a very interesting one because as someone who works and has worked on a lot of websites, a lot of apps, a lot of tech stuff, you know, this is a huge thing now and that is accessibility. It's something that you have to think about. It's something that there are laws going into place for content creators, tech app creators and whatnot to consider because, you know, everyone needs to be able to use your app in some shape or form. So there is a category known as innovation in accessibility where it recognizes software and or hardware that is pushing the medium forward by adding features, technology, and content to help games be played and enjoyed by an ever wider audience. So these are the games nominated. Um, we have Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Grounded, Hyperroot, The Last of Us Part Two and watch Dogs Legion. So here's the thing. I haven't played all these games, but I will be shocked if Last of Us Part Two doesn't win this. Because if you look at the yep. accessibility options, they are insane in this game. And every time you um, read a review or watch the review on YouTube, this is the game that they would talk about. Yeah, it definitely um, opened up that, that book or continued down some of the good progress that, that that studio has done in this end of things. I I, I think it's a lock for it. However, I've not played Watch Dogs, um, Legion, or Valhalla, which yeah. sounds like they're probably based around similar engines. Yeah. And I would I would if if one of those two won, I would say it's on the shoulders of Last of Us Two, setting that pioneering uh, flame like like light in that way and saying no these games can be better at yep. inclusivity right exactly. about accessibility all right we're going to move on to the next category and for me i don't play a lot of multiplayer games you talked about on this episode already how you don't play a lot of multiplayer games or games online but i want to talk about this one just because 
the games in this category are very interesting, very topic de jour, very a la mode. All right, so that's going to be best multiplayer. Here are the nominees, my friend. Animal Crossing, New Horizons, Among Us, Call of Duty Warzone, Fall Guys, Ultimate <laughs> Knockout, and Valorant. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's interesting with Animal Crossing because that, that game, yeah, I'm living proof of the fact that you can be antisocial in that game and never open up your account <laughs> to anybody for fear of catching COVID digitally. But... <laughs> Or the Twitterverse taking a twat on your island. Oh I don't God. know. But it's... Um, I hope it goes to Animal Crossing just because I don't think that they stand much of a chance in anything else. But, like, Among Us is kind of laughable. That game is, like, two or three years old. Hey, you know? say what you want. But it's what people are playing. So That's 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 why I say say what you want. My money is going to be on Among Us. Yeah, I think you're probably right. All right. I, I just think that, that that phenomenon is huge. Yeah, yeah. Best sports racing game. Um, sports slash racing. Not sports racing. Sports and or racing. Um, okay. Dirt, Dirt 5, F1 2020, FIFA 21, NBA 2K21, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Oh, I hope Tony Hawk got it. That's what my that, heart says, but my brain says that it's going to NBA 2K21. I I don't know how NBA 2K get away with this because they make honestly, I know we talked about this on our video game roundup, like the end of the year roundup. It is categorically in the worst video game category for me as a sports fan. All right, we don't talk about our sports lives on here. But as a sports fan, that game insults me like getting kicked in the crotch repeatedly mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of its blatant commercialism and forced exposure to its and it's a triple A title, which infuriates me. Yeah. FIFA twenty one, I'm enjoying so far. I yeah. don't know about you, but like I, I can't wait to log in December fourteenth and get David Beckham in my foot my Volta team. Yeah. And stuff like that. Like I really like the Volta end of things, so I would love for it to do well. But I know that that game isn't about that. It's about selling billions of dollars worth of digital content for EA. And it's yep. no different than FIFA 20. There's no exactly. originality there. Yep, that's that's exactly it. All right, we're going to move on. Best family game. And I'm bringing this up just because I think the games here are cute, if anything. Best family game, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Crash well, you Bandicoot. can just stop the bus right there. I know, right? Well, this is this is why I want to talk about also because this category is actually crazy. Um, you got Animal Crossing, New Horizons, Crash Bandicoot Four. It's about time. Fall Guys mm-hmm. Ultimate Knockout, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, Minecraft Dungeons, and Paper Mario: The Origami King. Oh my God! I've actually played more of those than I'd like to think about. Uh, <laughs> you know, Animal Crossing is a great game, but it's not family. Like it's family in in nature, but it's not multiplayer in yeah. uh, approach. It, it, it's really disappointing on that front. So I don't think it stands a chance in this category, other than popularity. I think Fall Guys is the winner on this. It's either going to be Fall Guys or Paper Mario, in my opinion. 
Yeah, Paper Mario stands a chance, but I just don't pa- think... I'm going to go with Paper Mario. I, th- I think Animal Crossing is the star jewel of the Switch this year. I yeah. think that that just is the differentiator for all video game systems. I think Crash Bandicoot possibly could be that game, but the the distributed console base that can play it is so crap right now, and Sony have mismanaged that. They've shit the bed so bad on this that I just I don't even think it should be listed in contention because what's the point in listing a video game that nobody can freaking play? Yeah, exactly. So this one's for buddy, our friend, our compadre, our primo, Jason Bramble. Best fighting game. Uh, the nominees are Grand Blue Fantasy versus Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate, Street Fighter V Champion Edition, One Punch Man, A Hero Nobody Knows, and Under Night in Birth X, X, late, well, whatever. Brit's going to pick. Brit's going to totally pick Street Fighter there. That's my pick. Yeah, that would be my pick too. I'll stand in allegiance with that. Or Mortal Kombat, but you know what? I'm going to go with Street Fighter. That's the one. Mortal Kombat feels like a shadow of what it used to be, but that maybe is unfair. The new ones aren't too bad. I'll say that much. I played quite a bit. Not a, a lot of it, but enough of it. More than I've played yeah, of I, 10. I, I think I, played I bought like XL and I played one night. That's it. Yeah. Makes sense to me. 11, I played a lot more. All right. Best role playing game. I already know which one should win, but here are the nominees Final Fantasy VII Remake, Genshin Impact, Persona 5 Royale, Wasteland 3, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Ooh, I've played a few of those. Not enjoyed them super yeah. well, but I, I would I would pick what was the first one again? Final Fantasy Seven Remake. Yeah, yeah. Seven remake, no brainer for me. Yeah. I Genshin would go... was surprising for free. Yeah. I would go with Final Fantasy, but Persona Five Royale is gonna be my my pick. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I know that's got a huge, huge following. Huge. Huge, huge. So All right. Shout we're out to in, them. Right? Yeah, we're getting into the meaty it. categories now. The meaty categories. This is where things start getting a little interesting. And we're going to start with best action adventure game. Here are your nominees. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Ghost of Tsushima, Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Ori in the Will of the Wisps, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and The Last of Us Part Two. Oh, right? Jeez. Best action oh. adventure. So this is for the best action adventure game combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving. Oh, man. I, you know what? I'm really in a deep hole on this one. I'm going to pick this. I don't think it's going to win. But out of all those games, the one that's challenged me the most in that classic definition was Jedi Fallen Order. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that because of how much you struggled with the game at times. Yeah, and I'm I'm struggling with it the second and third playthrough. I'm actually playing two playthroughs at the same time right now. Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting. It, the, the puzzles have absolutely thrown off friends of mine because of their difficulty. And I'm yep. way better at navigating the map now. I finally yep. understand how to read it. Because, so. and the reason why I read what this entails 
is because I'm going to justify both of our choices. For the best action-adventure game combining combat with traversal and puzzle-solving. That's why I'm going to say, with you, Phil, Phil, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Wow. Yeah, I, I think by definition of the category that's there, but there are some big titles on that that probably outsold it and have a huge fan base and whatnot that, that yep. could easily, I could see winning the title. Yeah, but Assassin's Creed Valhalla, pretty straightforward open world game. Ghost of Tsushima, pretty straight open world game, figure out the map. Sp- Spider-Man, open world game, linear story. Um, mm-hmm. Last of Us Part Two. Again, open-ish world game, pretty linear. Not many salt, not many puzzles to solve. You know, yeah. So, it, for me, it was a toss-up between Jedi Fallen Order, but Jedi Fallen Order, and The Last of Us Part Two. But yeah, I'm gonna that, go with that was Star one Wars. that was in my mind for contention. But the actual puzzles are genuinely creative in Jedi Fallen Order, and yeah. it, it doesn't follow the same patterns. One thing you're moving balls. The next thing you're doing this. The next thing you're getting flashbacks. You're getting all these stories. There were times right? that I was legitimately stuck, especially when you had to go to um, the old temple and stuff. Like when you had mm-hmm. to move those big ass balls through the um, the balls through the room and stuff. Like, yep, it took me a little while to actually think about what I was doing. Yeah, and even traversing that planet is yep. just absolutely bonkers with the returns. Right, Kashyyyk is so much more straightforward to me, but. Yeah, Kashyyyk also killed the system. Um, that game, that's where <laughs> the system started struggling while playing. Yeah, okay, uh, I haven't talked about this, but Saw Gerrera just pops up out of nowhere all the time. It's specifically Saw Gerrera yeah. and the and the big fights on Kashyyyk that you the game breaks on both Xbox and Sony, like that's... PS4, Pro, and Xbox One S play that game like total crap i'm so excited to get the ps4 the ps5 just to see what that gameplay was supposed to be like i should replay that on ps5 yeah i heard it's astounding all right we're gonna move on best action which will go to the game for the best game in the action genre focused primarily on combat see that's the thing you have to think and you have to read what the award actually goes for. And that's why I made it a point of reading the previous one. So here are your mm-hmm. um, nominees. Doom Eternal, Hades, Half-Life, whatever, Neo 2, and Streets of Rage 4. Oh, Doom Eternal. I'm going to go with Streets of Rage 4. Uh, I, I think I think Doom Eternal is just going to kick the crap out of Streets of Rage 4 and its parents. Streets of Rage 3, Streets of Rage 2, Streets of Rage 1. It's just going to be cakewalk. Yeah. All right. Here's the... I find a funny one because one of the nominees just kills me because of who makes the game and how toxic the community is on the studio's other game. So it goes... This is the award for best community support Recognizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency, and responsiveness, inclusive of social media activity and game updates slash patches. Here are your nominees. This is an award. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like the 
Your game may have sucked, but you tried really hard to make people happy. <laughs> well, let's hear it. <laughs> Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, and the one that made me laugh, Riot Games' own Valorant. Oh, man. If you know anything about Ryan Ga- Riot Games and League of Legends and that community, this award is hilarious. I, I no, I'm, I'm, we're not, we're not calling even it out for hilarity on other points, too. Like, the fact that Fortnite, like Epic, are suing Apple and Google right now in court yeah. and getting awarded for it. I know. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Now, I do know that they put a lot into that game in terms of, like, uh, it catches my eyeballs. I've never played it. Yeah. It catches my eyeballs because it gets the Star Wars characters. It gets the Marvel characters. It gets all these different things to try and lure you in. I get that they're doing that. And obviously, their social media is kind of working because I'm aware of it. Yeah. Right? So maybe that deserves to be shouted out. But it just completely ham-fisted on the other side of that business model. I know. Where they're just completely battling the platforms that distribute their games into the hands of so many customers. Yep. Here's one that I will... It's, it's interesting because this is kind of where a lot of games are going. And that's best ongoing, which is awarded to a game for outstanding development of ongoing content that evolves the player experience over time. Here are your nominees. Good category. Yeah. Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Call of Duty Warzone, Fortnite, and No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky. Really? Sorry. Yeah. yeah, 100%. 100%. I don't know that that's actually going to happen, but No Man's Sky opened to a trash heap of a fire, of a dumpster fire. Yeah. It was full blazing, out of control. That dude absorbed a ton of abuse. He did. And he's made a game that's actually worth playing and probably not received a penny for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just him pouring his entire life into it and the studio. Whereas I look at all these other games and they're content driven. They have to make content for them in order to survive because people need them to evolve. It doesn't mean that it doesn't deserve recognition and maybe somebody else wins a category. But for me, the guy that got the crap absolutely kicked out of him, the guy that 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 got death threats and and all this stuff, and has now made a game. It still has its audience, but he's basically added to that game to the point where it's gone from a complete piece of shit to a playable title. Yeah, and delivered on what he promised in a way. I see my friends playing it right now. And that's yeah. why I say that, because I'm like, we laughed about this for years. We laughed about I this title. I laughed about this game many times on this show. Yep. Yep. I think you bring up great points, and I agree with all of them, but Fortnite and Call of Duty and Destiny, those three games have created an amazing ongoing content, but I think I'm going to give this one to Fortnite because of the partnerships that they have and the companies that they're with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I'm, I'm not going to poo-poo on the Fortnite community or in, try to invalidate what what's achieved there because it is remarkable. You know, it's a free-to-play game. 
and they're they're knocking it out of the park. Yeah. All right, we're gonna move on. Best performance. This one's going to the individual for voiceover acting, motion, and or performance capture. Here are your nominees. Ashley Johnson as Ellie in The Last of Us Part 2. Laura Bailey as Abby in The Last of Us Part 2. Daisuke Suji as Jin Sakai, Ghost of Tsushima. Logan Cunningham as Hades in Hades. And Naji Jeter as Miles Morales in Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles Morales. I, I'm probably going to have to, it would have to, for me, it would, if there's any justice in this world, it's going to go to one of the two actresses from Last of Us 2. <laughs> Honestly, I, it's in my most humble opinion, the person who made the most impact, the person who probably had the best performance overall, when you think about all of this, it's probably the most controversial choice, and that's Laura Bailey as Abby from The Last of Us Part mm-hmm. 2. No, you know, the other games are great, but and it's not a judgment on the game's greatness or whatever, but I find that both of those people put through convincing, compelling performances for what I've experienced. Yep, agreed. Best audio design, which goes to the game that recognizes the best in-game audio and sound design, your nominees being Doom Eternal, Half-Life, Ghost of Tsushima, Resident Evil 3, and The Last of Us Part 2. Oh. Oh, it would be tough between... On that palette, between Last of Us 2 and Ghost of Tsushima. Oof. I think it's going to go to Ghost of Tsushima, personally. I'm going to vote for Last of Us 2 on this because it is truly spectacular what they've achieved. And that's that's not if it went to Ghost of Tsushima, I would not be upset at all, at all. But yep. I just Agreed. think that the amount of terror that video game has instilled into my freaking life—if I put headphones on, or if I even play it with a 5.1 surround sound system—and the amount of flexibility that they have in programming your home sound theater again yep. in that accessibility market. Yep. Is just overwhelmingly awesome. Yeah, I agree. All right. We're going to skip a couple. The next category we're going to talk about is best narrative for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. Your nominees are 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, and The Last of Us Part Two. Oh, yeah, I think the same as last time. I would have a really tough time. I don't know all those titles, so I'm yeah. not. I I can only speak to what I've played, and what and and that kind of angle. But man, both of those stories were really good. I think the more emotional one was Last of Us Two, which I think it gets. It needs to be recognized for this that they hit the buttons that they did. Yeah. Ghost of Tsushima told a great story and overachieved on what could be viewed as a publisher coming back from the grave a little bit, or. Yeah you know, hitting an area that maybe they're not known for. Yeah. Whereas Last of Us Part Two, to me, is such an emotionally driven story, and it's so good at hitting you in the feels. So, 
you know, yep. I just have I to it. sit there and go. It, it, to me, video games just don't do that as well as as other mediums sometimes. Yep, I get it. All right, two more categories: best game direction awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. Your nominees are Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Half-Life, and The Last of Us Part Two. This I might venture out and say Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. I'm because the direction, unfortunately, followed what the first Last of Us had to do. And nothing against that. That's just the way the game rolls. They, they've, they're continuing on an already amazing story. Yeah. But Ghost of Tsushima, to me, came out of nowhere with some brilliant stuff. Yep. All right. So, yeah. And then Game of the Year, my friend. Game of the oh, Year, yeah. which recognizes a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. Your nominations are Doom Eternal. Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, The Last of Us Part Two, and Animal Crossing New Horizons. <laughs> I just feel like any time we mention Animal Crossing, it's a setup for me. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine um, if Animal Crossing wins? Yeah, there's a part of me that says they really stand a chance. <laughs> like honestly I don't want to think about how many hundreds of hours I've put into that game <laughs> I sit here and I complain about these pointless games and here I am actively participating that's why 2077 stands a chance but I would say just off that list my gut reaction Last of Us 2 yeah I agree I agree 100% Last of Us Part 2 in my opinion was the best overall game end to end yeah but what a yeah, yeah. What a category. Yeah. This one's a hard one, man. Like, Doom, tons of fun, Final Fantasy, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades. The only game I haven't played from this list is Animal Crossing. Man, I, you're missing out, but it is no, great. I am not missing out. I am not missing out on that fucking game. No, I, I honestly, like, even no. right now, I haven't even talked about this. It started snowing on my island, mm -hmm. and the music's changed to be Christmassy. Uh huh. Whenever it snows, and okay. I just like that. It sets a mood. All right. Cool. So cool story, bro. Good for them. All right. Yeah, good story, bro. They put jingle bells in the <laughs> Animal Crossing theme. It's awesome. I just right. like hold my beer. Animal Crossing's just sitting there going, "We're going to kick Phil's ass." Oh my god! <laughs> you need to just stop with Animal Crossing. I don't know what to do with you. Well, I'm trying to get an Animal Crossing guest on. I'm telling yeah. you. I got Jesus I got my sight set on somebody to come in. Uh, I'm gonna be mysteriously away that episode. No way, man! I'm gonna get one of these Twitch streamers on here. <laughs> You're be like, oh my god! No, not gonna happen. But no, it's just a casual game. Whatever. No, I know. It, it, I know. The only reason why I'd say it's in contention is because of the obvious, because of the pandemic. Yeah. It's the only reason why I started playing it. I was not gonna buy this game. I went into micro play on the Thursday and it put down my down deposit on it and picked it up on the Friday. And then we went into lockdown on the Monday. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, let's play animal crossing. There's so much buzz around this game. I did the same with Pokemon. I played Pokemon for a week. I even have one of those stupid Pokeball controllers. Like I bought the <laughs> deluxe edition. Hilarious. Like, 
And I'm like, wow, this game stinks. After a week, I'm like, this is like a stale fart. I don't like it. Which one? But Animal Sword? Crossing, every day. Which which Pokemon game were you playing? Sword and whatever? Sword and Shield? No, or, go. Or, oh, that, I'm, damn. All right. Anyways. Why? Did you, play the, did you play Go? No. Okay, good. Don't. <laughs> I think it's my not nephew, that bad. I think my nephews have my version. I own it. I've never played it. They, like took it out of the plastic and everything. Yeah, I, I could see it being great for kids. Like, oh, yeah. there's no tip about it. Like, the little one. I just, like, I just didn't grow up on Pokemon like my niece did. I'm like, that was the first yeah. movie that I took her to was Pokemon the movie. Yeah, that's like younger than me type thing. Like, yeah, that's your yeah. niece's bag of chips. Yeah. All right, man. Tell our awesome listeners how they can get a hold of us, how they can tell us what they think the winners are going to be. All right. Well, you can call us out on our calls here at www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really anywhere you find podcasts. You're going to find the It's Canon Podcast. And if you like what you hear so far, be sure to click the subscribe button to be notified of future episodes because you never know when we're going to put them out. Like we try to do it on Wednesday. We do it on Mondays. We do it on Sundays. But we also have specials that come out from time to time if the news is just that darn good. And uh, yeah, make sure to leave a rate and review for us. We greatly appreciate it. Oh, yes. And check us out on Amazon. If you have an iOS device, the new versions are there in Canada. So you can subscribe in that. I'm sure it's coming to Android soon. Exactly. All right, so we are the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things video games, all things toys, all things comics, all things movies, all things Lego, all things everything. And Phil, do you know what the best part of it all is? I'm hearing it's all in canon, my friend. That's right. No matter what happens, no matter where, no matter when, no matter what universe, no matter what Earth it is, it could be Earth 666, it could be Earth 69. It all, it's all in canon, baby. <laughs> Earth 69. Earth 69. All right, so next episode, we're going to be running down the winners of the Video Game Awards. We're going to be talking more about those darn leaks. We're going to also be talking about Canadians and some of the things that, well, some of the payment issues that they're going to run into on the PlayStation Store. And we're going to talk about so much more here on the It's Canon Podcast. He's Phil. I'm Boris. Goodbye.